Welcome to For Fox Sake, the Christmas special. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas, Rob. Ho, ho, ho. Really? Is that it? That's all I've got. That's all I've got for you. Ah, come on. We, we, i tell you what we do need, though. We need some Christmas music. So in For Fox Sake tradition, play that music, Rob. Now I'm feeling festive. Now I'm feeling it. Yes. And I've just got back from doing my Christmas shopping as well. So maybe that was the reason why I wasn't particularly feeling it. Because I've, I've just been to Meadow Hall and it was... Um, it was fine, but it was busy. And, you know, when you've got too many bags and you've worn your coat because it, the walk from the car park to the shopping centre's not undercover, and then you're a bit hot. But we got we got in. In and out, I think, in three and a bit hours, which isn't too bad. There's a lot of people dallying around going, oh, shall we get this, per- this for this person and that for that person? And we were just in, get the stuff on the list, get out, and it was, it was bearable. Are you all ready for Christmas? I'm all ready for Christmas. I've got uh, there. We are. Yeah, a few uh, a few cans on the go. Well, actually, cans and bottles, to be honest. Or just uh, because um, I started on the San Miguel um, and made made a, made a bit of an error actually. Let's put that down. Um, made a bit of an error really because I only had the one, and so then I had to switch. When if I didn't realise I had the one, then I would have then gone with the the Moretti from the start. So if, um, Moretti's are, are, are in. And um, and uh, yeah, there we go. So I'm I'm all sorted, <laughs> but no, all sorted, all done. And um, sitting in a very festive environment, I've got football on the TV. And what are we gonna do for the Christmas special? I think, and we've already given this away on the podcast that we've just done regarding the uh, Spurs game. But I think we should look at the top three Leicester players of this season. Uh, in our own opinions, and then also look for the top three, maybe players that have caught our eye this season from other clubs. I don't know yours, you don't know mine. Um, so we'll do them at some stage. Uh, what else have we got planned on this Christmas special, Rob? We are making wishes and dreams come true. No, 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 sorry. We are reading out people's wishes and dreams and talking nonsense about them. And maybe one day they might come true, but if they do, it's got nothing to do with us. But Christmas wishes, that's what we're doing. We are doing Christmas wishes, and we're going to do them in the format of the 12 days of Christmas, okay? And the 12 days of Christmas will basically be me opening one of the doors. And behind the doors, uh, I have three random Christmas wishes. You, I believe, Rob, have three Christmas wishes. And then there are, well... Would be six, wouldn't it? Six Christmas wishes that have been sent in by for Fox Eight listeners, either through Twitter or through Facebook or through email. Uh, and I think you you've got uh, kind of the best of those or the most commonly uh, picked out. Now these are these are wishes, and as we put down uh, and as we mentioned, these are these are our own wishes. So you might want three points on Boxing Day. You might want uh, a. Leicester kit with white shorts. You might want that. 
Or you might want something completely insane. It's your present. It's your Christmas list. You're asking Santa. And uh, so we'll stand by for those. I'm sure yours are uh, very well thought out, Rob. Uh, I wouldn't say that, but they're they're probably, as listeners to For Fox Sake over the years will will know, they're probably less far-fetched than yours. Because your imagination, particularly when it comes to Leicester City uh, and football, is quite extraordinary. It's what I want. And what I want, I believe everyone else wants. And if they don't want it, then they're wrong. So that's what it is. So we'll call... Anyway, that's that's the true meaning of Christmas, isn't it? So what we'll do, I think, Rob, I think it would be a miss, really, for us not to open one of the doors to kick things off. And then we'll go into the, the, the first of our three players uh, regarding Leicester. So can, can I open one of the doors? You give me a number between 1 and 12. I will open the door and we will see... What's behind it? Right. Okay. And when we do see, of course, it's got to be in the uh, in the voice and in the style of someone asking Sansa. So, dear Sansa, etc., etc., etc. Okay. So, uh, between one and twelve. And again, for listeners, everyone knows that I'm in for Fox Eight HQ One. You're uh, miles away in for Fox Eight HQ Two. So, I have no idea what numbers one to twelve are, apart from obviously mine. I don't know which door they're behind. So. I think I'm going to go with, and I better write these down so I know what I've actually picked. I'm going to go oh, with. Don't worry, I've got the advent calendar in front of me. I'll cross them off. Oh, thank you very much. Well, you write them down as well, otherwise we're, then we'll get a bit confused. Yeah, good idea. Exactly. If you both write it down. It might run fairly smoothly as the key feature of this podcast. You do realise during your shopping trip today, I've made a tremendous dent in a thirty crate of uh, Moretti, so um, I do need to write these down. Okay, so I'm going to go with. Um, of course, it's going to be the famous number three of Leicester City. The famous three worn by Frank Sinclair. So, what's behind door number three? That's not really what we should say. Uh, on number three, day three on the 12 Days of Christmas for Fox 8 Advent Calendar. Open the door, please, Rob. The door is open. And it is uh, a wish from not one, but two different for Fox 8 listeners. Hello to Glenn Richardson. Hello to Gareth Bell. Um, they've both said, Dear Santa... Please, for Christmas, could we have some more consistency? Oh, we're starting with consistency. You chose it's completely random. You chose it. I should. I, I shouldn't complain. I shouldn't complain because we 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 do need consistency. It's that present that you've opened on Christmas Day from a uh, a, a family member where you look at it and you go, "Oh, yeah, that that's that's really good. Thank you very much." And then slowly throughout the day, you actually kind of grow on it. You kind of go, actually, I really need that. That's actually really beneficial. And then maybe two or three weeks later, you know, this is actually a really good, this is what I'm telling everyone I got for Christmas. And then maybe a year's time, you're actually still using or wearing that object. That's what this is. It might sound slightly dull. But it's actually what we really, really need because we haven't drawn a game. Now, I don't think drawing a game actually shows consistency, but it's, it's has there been a better week than this week for consistency? Because you've got, or to say that we need consistency, you lose. Uh, sorry, you, you win at home against Brighton in great, it's great style, great win. Then you lose at home against Everton. No shame in that, but the performance was dreadful. And then you go and beat Spurs away. This is the ultimate week to show that we actually do need consistency. So yes, this is that 
pair of socks. This is the new pair of pants that you do need. Consistency. I think it's also one of those that is not particularly necessarily specific to a Leicester City Santa wish list. I think it's probably on virtually every top half, maybe even top 15 Premier League clubs, fan bases, wish list or list for Santa this season. Because I think what we've... Now things are maybe starting to settle down a little bit in terms of knowing roughly who's going to be where as we get to uh, towards the latter stages of the season. But we are definitely not the only ones that are suffering from uh, a lack of consistency. And, you know, it could be down to lack of pre-season and, and then the increased um, sort of the the increased amount of games in, in, in a shorter time periods and, and therefore injuries to players. So you could argue that the consistency isn't there in most starting lineups. So why would it be there in in performance levels? You know, there's a, there's a lot of a debate over it, but I think what's making this one of the most entertaining and least predictable Premier League seasons in recent history is that lack of consistency from most other teams. Uh, and if we can, thanks to uh, Glenn Richardson and Gareth Bell asking Santa for it, if we can get some more consistency, that's going to be a huge um, help towards our top four objective um if we can be more consistent than everybody else and pick up points more consistently than everybody else then we will be in and around the right area come the end of the season can we open another one go on then we'll we'll do two we'll do two so we've had three uh we'll go for number number 10 number 10 is pete's second wish right okay now Number two on my wish list, okay. This is maybe not the the, the most random one or, or the weirdest one, but just, just bear with me, okay. Dear Santa, can Leicester City have a every season an annual old school or retro day? Okay, so basically all fans will have to wear the old kits which you can buy readily in the club shop. And... It's really pushed on to like season ticket holders. Maybe they can get a, a huge discount. You've got old players walking around the pitch at halftime with trophies. You've got stands outside showing old clips with uh, kind of old school um, merchandise and also old school uh, players on big banners. And it's all kind of retro. Maybe even the kit that they wear for that day. I think they need special uh, permission from the FA and they probably won't get it. But, you know, they could maybe wear an old kit. And um, and just have that kind of retro day where everyone can just remember the old days. Now the old days could be anything. It could be the sixties or fifties or the or, or the seventies to you. And then it could be the nineties. It could be maybe even some like Matty Fry even. So it's a complete mix and match. Um, but there is one thing, and the one thing for this because at the moment I think everyone's going. Do you know what? That sounds a really good day. Maybe something in towards the end of the season. So not on the last day of the season, but towards it. So it's slightly warmer, and so people can wear the shirts and all that. Um, but there is one thing, and you will get a free beer. Fantastic. Who doesn't want a free beer or a free uh, can of pop or whatever? You're going to get that. Every single person is going to get that in the ground and an item of food, so a burger or whatever. Great news. Fantastic. We've done it before. Maybe a sausage roll. Fantastic. Everyone wants that. But you can only do that 
not just if you wear a retro shirt or you wear something retro from the 60s, 70s, maybe even a Peaky Blinder style cap or whatever. No, no, no. You have to wear one item of clothing to get the free beer, the free pop and the free food. Everyone in the ground needs to wear and should be made to wear by law the early 90s Fox Leisure Trainers. Everyone should have to wear them. It should be like the bowling alley. So you walk up to the ground, you give them your shoes, you get the fee fox leisure trainers and you wear them and for doing that you get your free drink okay maybe just a little side madness to it but overall i want a retro day an annual event at leicester retro or nostalgia day sounds like a great idea and i was i was waiting for a little while for you to go a little bit off the rails there and i thought he's not he's not gonna this is actually a genuine uh christmas wish that would be thoroughly enjoyable for all involved and then you went down the Fox Leisure Trainer route. I, I totally agree. I, there would be some absolute cracking shirts coming out. I know some people choose to wear their their retro shirts or, you know, not even the ones that have been reproduced today, but the actual originals from, well, decades ago, some people. But it would be great to see the, the array of kits past and present on show. I'm not, I'm not sure you're going to convince let's say the 16 year old lads with whatever it is that they usually wear these days to trade in their 150 pound trainers for a pair of fox leisure specials maybe that's a little bit too much of a christmas wish but the nostalgia or retro day i really like and and to have the chance to sort of celebrate the former players uh with a little lap of appreciation or Maybe a penalty shootout, Team 90s versus Team 80s or something. It'd be brilliant, but maybe maybe the Fox Leisure trainers is a step too far. You could even have maybe a, a game after the game where you can watch Team 80s against Team 90s and every year the, the sides change, so it would be the evening game and if you've got the ticket, you can stay in the ground. I think that should be... And also, you can't come into the ground if you're wearing anything new. It needs to be properly marshaled. There you are. So that's not that not that weird, but um, yeah, there we are. There's my uh, my first wish for Santa. Now, the top threes regarding players from Leicester and regarding players from other clubs. I think we should. Have you got them in order? Have you got like a number one, two, and three? I haven't, but if you pushed me, I possibly could. I think we should go with the number three pick for both. So the number three pick in terms of the best player for Leicester this season in our opinion and the best player away from Leicester or, or someone who kind of caught your eye as I said uh, so I'll start and I'll start with the Leicester player now I've actually got two players down in the number three position so I need to make a decision and I'm going to go with one of these players okay so I'm going to go with in third place on my Leicester player of the season I'm going to go with Yuri Tillemans. Okay. Um, Yuri Tillemans, I, the thing is with Yuri Tillemans is we know how good a player he is. So is it any surprise that he's doing what he's doing? No, not at all. He's moved slightly back, so he's not quite the attacking midfielder we've had in the past. And I, the reason I've picked him is because an awful lot of the good things that's happened with Leicester and mainly that involves scoring goals, has come from Yuri. And 
I think a lot of it is kind of taken for granted in a very quiet manner because we know how good a player he is. We expect that. He's he's had the odd one or two slightly disappointing performances as any player would, but I think overall his role alongside Mendy especially has been He's had to carry a lot of the weight of the side on his shoulders, a lot of the creativity, a lot of a lot of important players had to come through Tielemans, as it should do, and as he should carry that responsibility being a, a top player he is, being a, a now first-team player for, for his country, for, for, for Belgium, one of the best sides in the world. And I think he's really risen to the task. I think he was given an awful lot of responsibility, and he has performed very, very well. I think there's still room for improvement, which is really good news I don't think he's reached his potential uh, there's one aspect of his game which has been most satisfying and that's the fact that he's now able to play Thursday Sunday Thursday Sunday Thursday Sunday throughout week after week after week he was one player we thought well hang on, he's gonna be rested he's gonna be rested and he wasn't and he wasn't again and he wasn't again and you're thinking oh he, he's playing all these games he goes away for Belgium and he plays both games so he's played an awful lot of football. They need to manage him. He's a vital member of this side. And I just think, overall, looking at the squad, I'm just going to go with number three, Yuri Tillemans. He's had a, a, a quietly, he's had, maybe not for Leicester fans, but quietly I say he's had a very, very good season. And yet there's still improvement to, to make, which is, which is great news because he could turn still into a better player and into a, a, a proper top-class midfield, even better than he is now. So Yuri's my man at three. He was just outside my top three, and I totally agree with everything that you've said. It's really pleasing that he's able now in a slightly deeper position to get up and down the field for 90 minutes and then do that again three days later and then do it again three days later. You know, we the, the, the sort of dips in form that we've seen with Yuri Tielemans in a Leicester shirt over the last uh, year or two have coincided with a run of games with him looking a little bit jaded or just physically not quite there, but you you will still see him five, ten minutes from the end putting in a 50-yard, 60-yard sprint back towards the edge of his own box to stop a, an opposition counter-attack. I think you're right, that, that area of his game has vastly improved this season and it still does need to be managed, but he, he's carried a lot on his shoulders considering his age as well. I know he's very experienced in terms of the, the stats, in terms of how many matches he's played in, in European competitions, international uh, appearances, that kind of thing. But he's still in his early 20s. He's He's got a lot more to give, and I'm, I'm very excited to see what he comes up with. If we were going for a top four, I'd have put him fourth. Um, but we're not. We're going for a top three. And I, tr I tried to pick players who we perhaps wouldn't be in this position without, you know, uh, so for for third, uh, but I've also tried to consider it based on performance levels that we know from them already. So I've gone for Kasper Schmeichel third because uh, we discussed him uh, at more length and in more detail on our um, regular edition of the podcast this week, um, discussing the, the victory against, against Spurs. So I won't go into an awful lot of detail, but I just think Schmeichel has been such a steadying influence in an ever-changing back line. He is now basically the on-field captain of the football club. Um, he's had one of his most consistent runs of performances, I think, in a Leicester shirt. And he, everything that he brings to the club, to the squad, to the to each match is abs is an absolutely vital cog in what we're trying to achieve. And he's been 
the 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 sort of main model of consistency for an awful long time now um and you know the some players could be then um you could see some complacency from players that are at clubs for certain periods of time a lot of them feel like they need a new challenge or they, they sort of get comfortable he always looks like he's striving for the best from himself and from everybody else and i think he gives everybody a huge lift and a huge amount of confidence and he has been in brilliant form bar one half mistake against Everton in midweek he's been in exceptional form this season so he's he's third for me yeah excellent pick I uh, I don't disagree at all um so we'll now move on to the third pick then of players away from Leicester and my number three is going to be Curtis Jones from Liverpool who as much as a good side Liverpool are they've almost got better when he's in the side and for a young player to get into that side and in recent weeks he's now almost first choice or very nearly first choice in that Liverpool midfield is is it it just that that's basically I could just say that he's he's now one of the first names in that midfield so I think he's a great player I think he's quick I think he's he's physically got it he's quite tall and broad he, he just an all-round very technically good player great control great balance and he can score goals he can set goals up he just looks a proper proper player and to be playing for Liverpool at that age he's been in and around the team now for what a couple of years they bring him through they've got a number of good players that Harvey Elliott looks a player doesn't he on loan at uh, at Blackburn at the moment they've got the defenders as well who have been uh, needed with their problems but this Curtis Jones for me he's having a really good season and he looks completely at home at Liverpool in their first team and uh, yeah I've been thoroughly thoroughly impressed with him so much so he's in the fancy team as well because he's actually about four million quid or something he's uh, he's a top player and I've been really impressed with him so yeah Curtis Jones yeah, I agree. I'm impressed with his attitude as well. When he when he first sort of um, started getting a bit of first team action back end of last season, you could see the quality that he had. Uh, and he said in in press conferences and interviews, he said, "I want I want to be playing for the first team of Liverpool." He said, "We're not here, the youngsters that are involved in the match day squad and in the first team squad. We're not here just to make up the numbers. We are here to improve the team." And the fact that he had that attitude and that belief in himself, I think, has probably it's been one of the major factors in him getting himself into the first team you know because if you're a player that's like oh I'm just grateful to be on the bench because I know we've got a lot of injuries uh, and look at me I'm on I'm on a Liverpool match day squad he wasn't content with that um and he's showing why on the football pitch he's a very very able young midfielder um he, he is frighteningly there good was, for his age as well so just uh, there was an interesting conversation I had the other week about um about Jones on the uh, on a, on a Liverpool podcast and um, and and it was really interesting what they were saying there it's all right from a from a distance to, to have a look in but they were they were basically saying they've got all these youngsters coming through and as much as you say five or six players they were like yeah generally these five or six maybe four but at least four they reckon are genuine players who they can easily see being first team regulars in the next say year 18 months and they're saying because of that you look at the natural progression of some of the bigger players, maybe Mo Salah, maybe Sadio Mane, uh, Firmino, maybe moving on to one huge contract away at Madrid or whoever. 
and they were saying because of that it's very easy for Liverpool because they're going to get a load of money and then basically they have to just replace those with the big names up top or wherever in defence. I.e. they don't need to build a brand new squad when they lose those players or when they naturally move on because they have these players coming through and it's something apparently Klopp said. And so essentially from that they're saying the likelihood of Liverpool dropping down in any way, shape or form over the next three or four years from towards the top of the league, it's looking very unlikely because of the quality that they've got coming through. And Jones, for me, is top of the list. So, uh, yeah, mm, not really what we want to hear, but there you go. Yeah, yeah we, want, we want them to be struggling at some point, but it doesn't look like they're going to with that, um, that raft of players coming through. Uh, I've gone for my third place uh, player that's impressed me outside of Leicester this season as James Ward-Prowse, because I think he has always been talked about as a talented midfielder but I don't I don't truly think that he's shown it on a fully consistent level um, anywhere near as much as he has this season and, and yes he is currently playing in a Southampton team that are playing very very well um, that are getting some really good results that are uh, riding on some serious momentum at the moment but he is technically an unbelievably good footballer and is beginning to get the numbers and the stats to back up how good he is. You know, you can talk all you like about his direct free kicks, his penalty taking, um, even even free kicks where he's not having a shot on goal. Every single dead ball delivery is absolutely world class. He, I think, has created... I can't remember the stat that I saw a couple of weeks ago, but it was it was something like he created the most amount of chances anybody has ever created in a Premier League game a couple of weeks ago. I think it was the week that I captained, in, captained him on fantasy football and no Southampton player turned in any of the opportunities he created. But I think he set a new Premier League record. I might, I might be wrong, but something like that for most number of key chances created in a match so he's he's having he's using his technical ability to have a really positive effect game after game and he's kind of he's kind of Southampton's Yuri Tillemans in 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 many ways because is he always going to be on the score sheet no is he always going to be man of the match no but are you always going to get an eight or nine out of ten performance from him uh, seemingly so at the moment from Ward Prowse and, and I think he is um, he is definitely one of my picks for 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 a current England squad position because I think he's he is that good technically, and you know he's Southampton captain as well, so he bears responsibility really well. I just think he's having a really really good season. Now, top player, and I would have him in an England squad as well. His his dead ball scenarios are fantastic. So we've got Curtis Jones. And we've got uh, James Ward-Prowse. Well, we'll go back to the uh, the Christmas list. And 12 days of Christmas. We've had number three. We've had number 10. Let's go for number 12. Number 12 is a Christmas wish from Jono Towers. And Jono, he hasn't written uh, the Dear Santa bit, but I'm going to read it out anyway. It says, Dear Santa, please, for Christmas this year, can we sort out set pieces at both ends? Definitely, and and it will. I think it will come with the players coming back. Someone like Soyuncu helping out at the back. Now, indeed, he's back. We mentioned on the podcast pretty much weekly, really, for the last couple of months about indeed his height and his missing influence. 
it, it naturally Leicester are a fairly small side without those players, but um, it, it needs working on. And then going forward. Because I really do think it's mainly due to the height at the back. I generally really do believe that. Going forward, it's then about delivery. Delivery's not been good enough from from Madison. Again, something we've spoken about an awful lot. Uh, and just hopefully it gets better. Noticeably how well Cengiz Under uh, performed on set-piece duties in Europe. So we'll, uh, we'll see when he gets into the side. And I think eventually he will. Uh, whether he... And say Madison when playing at the same time, who actually has maybe one has one side, one has another. That'll be an interesting scenario. But uh, yeah, Madison just needs to work on his consistency, something from another wish. So uh, yeah, I think a lot of people will have that as if you were to list things for Leicester to improve on this season, it would be set plays. And games could be won and lost on set pieces. So if you're not affecting them in a positive sense and you're not able to, to defend them either, particularly strongly, then all of the good work that you do for the rest of the 85 or 90 minutes that the ball's in play and not in a dead ball situation can almost be irrelevant. If if you do all this good work and, you, and you're at nil-nil, you can be quite simply undone with one ball to the back post where a bloke who's a bit taller gets a run and a jump on one of your defenders and that's it and it it, it, it can be a huge points haul come the end of the season so it is we saw um in the last couple of games Leicester have just tried a few different things from set pieces and I think that's what you've got to do you've got to keep teams guessing if you've only if you're only capable of putting three six footers in the opposition penalty area then cons- constantly whipping free kicks uh, and on corners straight in at a height into the box your percentage-wise, you're not going to get much change from that. Whereas if you just try and vary the angle a little bit, or if you like that they were playing short ones, or Brighton was getting involved, um, even Fuchs, I think, on from the ones on the left-hand side, and just changing the kind of delivery that's coming in, or delaying things for a second, and it's it's difficult when you're defending set pieces to to react to the second ball or to be in a position where you as a defence are trying to move up and and push players out of the box but also keep an eye on where your man is so that sort of taking the odd short one and moving the defenders around a little bit and allowing your players to maybe get a run on them is 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 a positive step and I think you're right with Ndidi's height and and his ability to just leap and attack the ball in the air I think will make a huge difference to our defensive efforts thank you Jono for your wish yeah and and having maybe a man on each post and you know our tallest player mark in there. Let's not get into that again. So we've gone for number 12. I think it's only right we go for number one. Number one is... Um, I've, I've clubbed two wishes together here. Um, it's There's one from me and there's one from Sandra Stevens as well who's got in touch on social media. Um, and it says, quite simply, Dear Santa, please can I sit in my seat again? And, and mine was going to be very similar about um, about being able to feel the match atmosphere. I was on a, um, a Zoom call with some of my uh, old uni friends last night, um, and they were they they said how many how many Leicester games have you got to since you moved up to Sheffield? And I said, well, really, I moved up to Sheffield probably 14, 15 months ago, and the entire country has been in lockdown for. A large percentage of that so I think actually since I moved to Sheffield I've only actually got to two Leicester games 
and I, I just said to them, I think the, the thing that I miss the most is it's been great that we've been able to watch as much football as we have with it being a, um, available on various different platforms. And, you know, every game is now televised in some way, shape or form. Um, so you, you, realistically, if you didn't want to, you wouldn't have to miss a single kick. But it's just the feeling for me of the of the match atmosphere, the, the buzz around the ground before you get in. The sort of sitting in your seat five ten minutes before kickoff, the montages on the on the big screens, the 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 post on gallop, the roar when uh, when the players first come out, that first roar when the when the referee blows his whistle and the kickoff, you know all of those little things, um, and I think Sandra Stevens is is hers was a very straightforward to sit in my seat again, and I'm sure that her sentiments are echoing mine, and it's just a sense of being able to feel that buzz again of a of a live football match is something that I think many thousands, well, it'll be hundreds of thousands of football fans across the country, probably across the world, are looking forward to. Yeah, it's it's slightly different for for me because predominantly every game it would be uh, it would be going and doing the commentary at the King Power, so that aspect of things would be what I miss the the going to the game the. Um, car parking scenarios that we have generally most games and sitting in the press room and seeing a few faces and then doing the doing the actual commentary sitting there and maybe you're not on the first bit and you're kind of listening to the crowd and you're watching the montages getting the team sorted getting the pronunciations wrong uh, all that sort of thing it's uh, it all adds to the excitement and and and, and something you never take for granted and when we've said many a time over the years you know the, the day that we take this for granted then you know that's the day you kind of stop really and yeah it's everything it's absolutely everything it's uh it's it's quite interesting because you talk to people who um and when i say this a lot of people will think it automatically of the 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 15 pound a game or whatever it was to watch on pay-per-view and me being vehemently opposing that you know really and a lot of people i knew were quite taken aback by that they were all very much like well you know at least we get to watch the games and all this sort of thing and i was like no no um and they said yeah but you won't be able to watch the games you pay more if you go and sit in the ground and that is when they lost me completely because that's when i turned around and went you you don't go and watch football do you 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 look at it and go it's 25 quid or it's 15 quid on top of the, the, the up sky i said no that that's not the point you pay the money to yes go and watch the game but it's more than that it is all what you just said about going to the game getting the beer seeing people and all that sort of thing that you went into I says it's it's different paying 15 quid on tv to watch pay-per-view on top of your sky subscription and your bt and your amazon i said it was one of the worst things the premier league has done and um and hopefully they've been slapped in the face enough to never even think about that again and the argument again that people had, oh, it's the same as going. No, it's not. It's not at all. And those people would not say what you and Sandra and many other people listening to this would say. And that's, I want to go back to the ground. I want to sit in my seat again. So yeah, I I think a lot of people would have had that. Um, yeah, I yeah I, I would have had it if I wasn't insane and got my ridiculous ones. So that's number one. Um, I think we should do another one. Let's go for. Slap bang in the centre, number six. What's behind door number six? Door number six is Pete's first wish. Here we go. Brace yourselves, everybody. Stand by your beds. Right. First of all, this could happen. 
right? If the powers that be were on the same wavelength as me, first of all, we'd be in a lot of trouble. But if they wanted this to happen, it could happen. It's not that far-fetched. The retro day is not so far-fetched at all. And it's a really good idea, I think. But this could happen. The ground is going to be redeveloped. We know that. We know roughly what it's going to be like. It's going to be the East Stand turned into a giant, huge stand with lots of hospitality and loads more seats, etc. That's roughly what the plans are going to be. Dear Santa, what I want to happen is that to happen. But I want you to knock down the South Stand, the copper as it is at the King Power. Knock it down, flatten it completely. And I want you to build a... Brick for a brick, complete replacement, the exact size and model. I want the double-decker to be replaced behind the goal at the King Power. I want the double-decker to be put in there. So I want a brand new flashy mega stand, but I also want people to go and stand in the cop once again and also to be seated in the top tier of the double-decker. It could happen if they want. How good would it be? You have a huge, massive stand, all the hospitality in the world, connected to the, the North stand, the family stand, as it is now, maybe even another tier on that. And then you've got the West stand with the, the dugouts and everything involved. And then, single stand behind the goal, the double-decker, on its own, with everyone who's in there. Obviously, the facilities were better, you know, because the facilities were absolutely horrible in the old double-decker. But that would be great. It would be like a stadium. I, I like the stadium. I love the King Power. Okay, the bold scenario of the ground, fine, whatever. Everyone, of course, likes grounds like Villa Park with different stands, etc. But this would be more like a Australian cricket ground where they have, or cricket grounds in general, should I say, but especially in Australia where they have like a, a few famous grounds where they have like individual stands of different sizes. Over in South Africa, they, they, they have them as well. Over here, Trent Bridge would be a prime example. Individual stands, all looking completely different from the other. And I just think it would be unbelievably unique. A bit like an American football stadium, that one where the uh, they have the, the pirate ship behind the goal. All the facilities you want, and then bosh, something for the hardcore, something for the fans. And if you want to stand in the cop once again, you can do. At the King Power. The King Power Cop. Well, with the ground regeneration and all the talk still around safe standing, it is actually not as ludicrous as it might have sounded as a as a single bold statement that uh, it would be very nice wouldn't it because it would kind of be a perfect blend of the modern and it, as you say it would you would expect first class sort of top of the range facilities um of a of a premier league well-established top half top four maybe even by then premier league side but at the same time you'd have a bit of nostalgia of the the old double decker you would have the option for supporters to stand legally and safely um and you'd you'd also have it looking um unique in a way because our bowl stadium i think the reason that it was not negatively received at the time when it was first built and we first moved there but because it was a a similar one to southampton for example um it was kind of it, it, some people thought it would be a little bit soulless and that's understandable because we were at Filbert Street for so long but as you say the King Power has very very quickly I think became home for Leicester City and most fans felt um, 
and, and I've seen plenty of football there. But basically, you know, we're up to what eighteen years since it opened. So it, there's been a lot of football played there, and we've got a lot of good memories there. So it is our home ground. But to make it stand out as a as a real eye-catching ground, and also for it to have those functions for supporters as well, like standing and um, an additional seating for for greater capacity, then. Great, I'm all for it. Come on, Santa, where are you? It's a win-win scenario because the do the fans want it? If you don't, then you can sit elsewhere in the ground. There's going to be loads more new seats in the new stand. Um, if you do want it, fantastic, because you can go there. The atmosphere will be better because all the lads and the girls who want to stand up and sing and this, that and the other and all that, they're going to go straight there for a start. And it will look completely unique. I just think it's a win-win situation. No one loses. Fans of other clubs might look at it and go, what is that? That's ridiculous. Doesn't matter. It's not your club. Go away. It, it's. I just think it's a win-win scenario. I want the exact design. I want that Leicester City Football Club on the front of the top tier. Uh, yeah, that's what I want. I'm sold. Shall we open one more door before we go back to our top three players from Leicester and outside of Leicester? Then we're on six. We're, we'll be halfway through the advent by then. Okay, then door number two. Door, door number two. Now, I'm not entirely sure how Leicester City related this one is. It's certainly not football related. But we are, as I said at the start of the podcast, not necessarily making Christmas wishes and dreams come true. But we are verbalising them in the hope that Santa is listening for you. Uh, this one comes from Martin Summers. Uh, and it says, Dear Santa, for Christmas, I would like to see... Scarlett Johansson in a Leicester City kit. Oi, oi. Here we go. Now, this is <laughs> this is this is the true meaning of Christmas. It's this is exactly what we want. Um which shirt? <laughs> a retro one just for you. Yeah, the the retro retro day shirt. But that, I I think I think unanimous, unanimously to every um man woman boy and girl would would like to see that, I think. I think um I think out of all of these I think if you had to label them as a kind of a one to twelve of what we want, maybe at the top, I would I would say it's it's right up there, isn't it? Would I forego? I mean, set pe- I... sorting out set pieces can I mean that can come or go. That, can, that not bothered about that. Yeah, consistency can be worked on at the new training ground. Will I forego the double decker? Well, I'll tell you what, that's that's uh, you know, hmm. But um, yeah, I, I think I would. <laughs> Fair enough. Thank you, Martin, for your wish. I hope, I hope, and and please, Martin, if this wish comes true for you, then please do share it with us. I think I would, I would, and that applies to both. Anyway, excellent. Shall we move on to our second in our top three of Leicester players this season? Uh, I'll go first this time. I've, I've just realised um, one thing. I've just realised one thing, Rob. Um, go on. We might actually have the same players for. Um, for maybe one or two in both lists. So if you do mention my player, because I imagine that's going to be the case, I think pick number three was always going to be the wild card, which we would differ on. But I think one and two may be similar. So if you say a player, then I will say if it's in my top one or two, because we then we talk about them just once. Yes. Uh, this player that I have chosen, I have chosen because they have essentially come from absolutely nowhere uh, displayed an unbelievable level of consistency, adaptability, flexibility. Uh, I'm going for James Justin. I thought he was going to say Scarlett Johansson. Then I've got, <laughs> I've got, um, I've got James Justin as number one. Yeah, I was t- I was torn because 
in, in terms of were we expecting to see anywhere near this level of performance from him this season? Absolutely not. So in terms of if this was a most improved award, he would win it absolutely hands down. He has properly stepped up to whatever task has been put in front of him. Um, right back, left back, right side of a back three, left side of a back three, right wing back, left wing back, wherever you put him. That's six positions, by the way. It's it is absolutely phenomenal the level of performance that he's put in, and he has not only just done his job there, but he has shown an increased level of maturity. Decision making is much better. Physically, he's always been fantastic. He covers an awful lot of ground. Um, his final ball has drastically improved. Um, but the reason, and I'll, I'll obviously declare my number one a little bit later on, but the reason I haven't put him at number one is because um, the person I've put at number one has essentially won us more matches and, and I've gone for impact overall on, on the team uh, as my number one. But Justin was a real contender for that. I, I can I totally agree why you've put him at number one. Yeah, I will echo all those thoughts and not really add a lot because we mentioned an awful lot in the podcast we've just done regarding the Spurs game where I said, and I'll stand by it, I think he maybe just went up to another level and I think there's more levels to come. So yeah, more power to him. And it, we're not missing as much as we thought Ricardo, especially in, in, in the recent games because of, he's been superb. And yeah, what a, what a great buy. So yeah, well, there you go. James Justin, number two on your list, number one on mine. Um, so number two on mine, which I presume we'll go to now, uh, is a player who I don't think you've got as number one for a start after just giving that little bit of a hint. So my number two, repeat my number three was Yuri Tillemans, uh, my number two player this year so far for Leicester or this season is Papi Mendy. And if you look at the season as a whole, he has filled admirably the role of Wilfred Ndidi. How good is Wilfred Ndidi? We know how good a player he is. He's a fantastic player. He's shown that since he's come back. He's come back and been amazing, Ndidi. What a great performance against Tottenham. But we went to Manchester City and thrashed them. Mendy was awesome that day. He was fantastic in the first part of the season when he played. He was a massive surprise when he first actually turned up again this season, signing again for the club. And I think he's played, by far, and I don't think he's even up for, up for debate, he's by far played his best football for Leicester. Apparently, he's fully fit. He's not playing uh, through pain. He seems a really nice bloke in terms of his uh, camaraderie with the players. Everyone likes him. He's signed the new contract. What is it, a couple of years he, he signed? So he's obviously liking it at Leicester. And I don't think he'll be playing at, at this level for any other club. So it's good for him. He's been brilliant this season overall. A, a, a complete surprise. I think he's taken everyone by surprise. It's been really good to see. And without him, we would not be where we are. Okay, We all like Hamza Chowdhury. We all like Dennis Pratt maybe playing in that position. But I think without Mendy, we are no way second in the league. Absolutely no way. And that's not one or two games. That's a big, big chunk of this season. So, uh, yeah, Papi Mendy for me, number two. Uh, in terms of player of the season so far. Would he be number two at the end of the season? I doubt it. Fingers crossed, touch wood, that Wilfred Ndidi 
carries on playing and plays every single game for Leicester from now until the end of the season. If that's the case, will Mendy be in the top three? More than likely not. But right now, I've got him at two because I think he's been vital, and I don't think it's—I don't think we should forget it at all. And I don't think people will. And uh, yeah, power to the pappy. What a position to be in, though. That that a player that we don't don't envisage having an awful lot more first team football for between now and the end of the season. Of course, he'll get his game time because of the the amount of competitions that we're in. Hopefully, that the European adventure continues long into the the remainder of the season. But. What a position to be in to say this bloke's probably not going to play enough games between now and then to get into our final top three or whatever. But you're absolutely spot on. We we would not be anywhere near where we are without him because I think Hamza Chowdhury does a job, but Papi Mendy has gone to a whole new level this season. And is he as good as Wilfred Ndidi? Not quite. But is there any shame in that? No, because I think Wilfred Ndidi is one of the best defensive midfielders in the Premier League, if I'm being perfectly honest, and he's shown everybody what we've missed in the last couple of games since he's come back. I think so he, for I think he's to the, not quite be as good as one of the best in the league, is, is it still means he's pretty good. And it is, it's the best football we've ever seen him play in a Leicester shirt. He's been a, a vital cog in the, in the team this season, uh, and I totally agree. And it's great to have a player like him, fully fit, raring, ready to go, can come in at a moment's notice into the team and, and deliver a level of performance that we would be more than happy with. I think uh, you probably know who my number one is then from from the hint that I dropped about him being a, a match winner. Um, yeah, uh, yeah. I, I suppose we we, we know. Gone in. You, you go with your number one because I've, we've got my three. Um, my three being Yuri Tillemans, Papi Mendy, and then number one James Justin. So your number yeah, three. Yeah. So my number three is Casper Schmeichel. Number two is James Justin, uh, and for solely for individual impact on the most games and results alone, um, I've gone for a fairly obvious one. I know, but it's hard to go anywhere else in my mind than than Jamie Vardy because he his influence on games even where he's not really in the game is is quite extraordinary. He's got eleven goals and four assists in the Premier League this season. That's 15 goals that he's uh, either scored or assisted. The only person that's got more is Harry Kane. Now, he's second, joint second on the top goal scorers list. He is second outright on the most goal involvement in the Premier League this season. And if he doesn't play, I don't see how we score goals, which is 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 good in a way because he's he's right on form. Scoring goals are plenty, great, but it, it's also a little bit worrying that if you ever see a Leicester lineup that's not got Jamie Vardy in it, you think, where on earth are the goals coming from? They've got to come from somewhere else. Somebody else has got to start chipping in. But I just think for the for the for the work that he's done this year so far, uh, this season so far, for him to maintain the level that he's been at for the last four or five years is quite outstanding. And just like with Papi Mendy, without Jamie Vardy, we we would be a bottom half club right now. Yep. I think Vardy would, and fingers crossed again with what I was saying about Wilf, I think Vardy would be in your top three at the end of the season. Again, I've gone with kind of, you can see where I've gone with Justin Mendy and um, and Tillemans. I will say actually one thing, I've got two players down for number three and I, I went with Tillemans uh, very late. The other player was Christian Fuchs. A player who 
playing Premier League football. He, he shouldn't really be playing Premier League football for Leicester because of the players they've got in the squad. But when he has played, he's played very well. And yes, the second, uh, the left side of bat three really works for him, but he's played very well. He's been caught out on a few occasions, but less than I thought. And I think overall, he's been a real warrior for Leicester this season so far. I don't expect him really to play much towards the end of the season. Again, hopefully not, because it means that the players who are coming back from injury will be will be fine. So I've gone Justin number one, Mendy number two, and Tillemans three. You've got Vardy number one, you've got Justin number two, and you've got Casper three. Shall we open another door on our 12 days of Christmas? Yeah, go on in. Um, let's open number 11. Number 11 is Pete's third wish. Right, well, I've got about four down here, so I've got to be. I've got to try and pick one. I've got a very sensible one. I've got a fairly sensible one, but a little bit weird. And I've got another one which I think most people would kind of agree with, apart from maybe the entire aspect of it, thinking about it. Um, so which do you want? Uh, the one that's a little bit weird, because it sounds like it's going to be quite funny. Okay, so my idea, or dear Santa, my wish. Everyone knows my thoughts on Filbert Street and the state that it's currently in, and what a disgrace it is. I've no idea, first of all, why we couldn't build new stands there when we were originally there, because they were too tall, blocking the sun, lardy dark. Well, they go and build a monstrosity of student accommodation on there, so, you know, go figure. Money talks. And how they've not been able to buy back some of the land or even enforce the land being maintained to a certain level. If you look at the bit, the land from behind Bermel Street houses, which backed onto the popular side, the east end as it was, it's just rubble. It's, it's a disgrace. And it's a vast area of land. First of all, they can't build any buildings on it. It's not that big, but it's still a vast area of land even though you can't build student accommodation on it. And how it hasn't been made to look half decent, it's, it's terrible. So I think we should have a military coup on that land. The first thing is, I don't think the people who own the land, the developers, will stand in our way, because we'll move in swiftly and quickly. And also, what are we going to do with the land? Well, we're going to make it look nice. That's what we're going to do. So they're going to stand there and go, oh, look, they're ruining the wasteland by turning it into something that looks nice. And hopefully that they can actually have some recognition that there was a football ground there. I I think if you if you haven't seen Filbert Street, for whatever reason, you listen to this ab abroad and you never even got to Filbert Street, unfortunately, uh, that could be one thing. Uh, if you haven't been to the King Power for years and years and years, for whatever reason then believe me, I can't reiterate how much of it's a disgrace that that area, it's a dump of the highest, highest proportion. There is nothing that says that Leicester had a ground there at all, apart from the street sign that says Filbert Street. And if you're a visitor and you go to the King Power and you look and you see, oh, Filbert Street, and then you look there and you go, oh my, it looks an absolute dump and a right mess so it's a military coup Leicester supporters the students will be right behind it do you know what I mean give them a few cans they'll be fine and uh, and we should just make it look nice we and and what I want and I've said before huge giant boards that they have at other grounds huge massive boards that have this is what it used to look like 
This is the view from 1928. This is the view from the 60s. This is fantastic. You can walk around there. It's blocked off. Why is it blocked off? There's a, a road, Lineker Road, and a few pathways. But the rest of the ground is all blocked off. And it's a dump. Why is it blocked off? Make it so it's you can walk on it. Just tarmac it, even. That's all I'm asking for. I'm not. That's what we want. Right. Anyone know any tarmacers? Do you know what I mean? People knocking your door saying you can tarmac your drive. Those sort of people. You know what I mean? Get them. Get a, get a gang. Get there and tarmac it all over. Nice and blue. And there we go. That's what I want. I, I don't understand how. If you're. I know the developers have got less than zero. Less than no inkling of doing anything because they don't need to but it looks an absolute dump i'm surprised the council haven't got the ability maybe they have and they can't be asked that's no surprise and because they over the years the council have, have done nothing to help leicester city football club and there's a thousand and twelve stories about that over decades and decades and decades even when it comes to traffic low situations at the moment but um They've not helped them at all. But how? They haven't turned around to the people who own the ground and gone, you need to actually do that up. You need to maintain that better because you can't just let it overgrow for 18 years, as you said. How they haven't enforced that, it's it's terrible. And um, as much as they're going to redo the ground, and I'm not blaming King Power or whatever now, but as much as they're going to redevelop for um, the King Power, they need to sort Filbert Street out. So we should take it into our hands, military coup, give the cans to the uh, to the students, they can help, um, get the people into tarmac everywhere, make it look nice, da-da-da-da-da, job done. Right, quick, Pete, pick another number because we've still got quite a few to get through uh, and I don't want you to get too carried away. Four. Number four is uh, another joint Christmas wish. I've put these behind the same window because they're very similar topics. Uh, two people we haven't heard from yet, so thank you very much for your Christmas wishes from Zachary Harden and Fox Jenny. Their, their wishes are both related to the same thing. Zachary says, Dear Santa, for this Christmas, I would like us to not bottle the top four. And Fox Jenny has said, Dear Santa, this Christmas I'm wishing for a top four finish. It is the question I get asked most if I go on other podcasts regarding Leicester, and that is what happened at the end of last season and will Leicester do it again this year? And my simple answer is, oh, or do you think Brendan Rodgers has... And I'm like, well, first of all, we weren't, we've never been in that position before. Okay, we were winning, going for the league championship in 2016 was different. That was a completely different scenario. Uh, last season, with everything that happened in the world surrounding the football, the fact that Leicester fell away dramatically at the end of the season, does that mean we're going to happen again? No. Well, what does the form guide say? It says one year it happened. Is it going to happen again? I don't know. Um, I don't think so. I think it's going to be a lot closer, put it that way. We're not going to be 14 points clear inside the uh, the, the top four. It would be great to have Champions League. Imagine that, right? Next season, um, at the start of next season, the world is back to somewhere sort of normal where you can have 32,000 in the king power. And also, we've got Champions League football to look forward to. What a great way to start 2021-2022 season. Everyone back. Yes, last season was a bit of a mess, complete mess, really. But Leicester's finished in the top four. And we've got Champions League football back at the KP. What a great season. 
or way to start the season. So my answer is yes, fantastic, brilliant. That's exactly what everyone wants. But if everyone starts talking about bottle this, bottle that, I don't know about bottle. One season? I think bottle is just a term used on social media, uh, even if it happens only once. Oh, you've lost your bottle. Well, hang on, hang on. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I, I would put that down as being something that happens repetitively every year and is, is something you can kind of always call upon happening. Yeah, and I think it's I think it's less likely that if we were faced with it, the same or similar scenario come the end of this season, I think it's less likely that that we would to put it in inverted commas, bottle it because you've got the same group of players who have been through that experience and yes, I'm sure they'll be enjoying the Europa League football but they are a year wiser, a year better in pretty much everybody's case, bar maybe, I don't know Christian Fuchs and Wes Morgan who are obviously in their latter years going a little bit uh, backwards, but everybody's better mentally, um, technically Brendan Rodgers will have had another year at the at the helm where he is shaping the squad and the and the style exactly how he wants it to be. And if it did come down to a one game playoff or shootout or whatever you want to call it, then I would be much more positive about it ne- at the end of this season than uh, than at the end of the last because they, it would be compared. And I'm sure the players would front up the media and say, oh, we're not even thinking about that. But in the back of their mind, they would be using that as fuel to think, well, you know what? Champions League football, we missed out on it after all that graft we put in in the first half of last season. We're not doing it again. So top four, Zachary, Fox, Jenny, I think you're sharing a Christmas with, wish with a lot of people there. But thank you very much for getting in touch. Pete, give us another number. Uh, num- we've got four left. So number nine. Number nine is from uh, a fairly new Leicester City supporter who we've been in touch with a little bit and we've helped out with a little bit of content for their website. Um, a, a group of uh, newish Leicester fans in Italy from Oscar de Bagno, who has simply put, Dear Santa, this Christmas uh, my wish is for Leicester to play 3-5-2 with two true strikers. Oh, very nice. Yeah, this um, this chap's been in contact. He's uh, sent us an email asking all sorts of questions about the podcast, about me and you and how we got started with the podcast, because essentially he wants to do one in Italy for Leicester. So Leicester City-based podcast like this, but an Italian version. Brilliant. Fantastic. And he's a, a genuinely quite a new supporter and you know, more the power to him. Fantastic. So um, a really interesting question, actually. I love three five two. I think three at the back is still the way to go with Leicester. I know a lot of, at the moment it's obviously four, and it is. But I think overall, when everyone's back, having three at the back and then the four in midfield with Ricardo, especially on the right, on the left maybe Castagna, maybe James, who could even play uh, just James Justin, who could play maybe even in the back three itself. That's obviously the first choice of Brendan. But if you go three five two. That means the 3-4-3, three, three, you don't have the three up top. You have the two with one then back in midfield. So that means you essentially have another striker. And the two strikers on the field, can um, Iheanacho and Vardy play as a two up top? I'm sure they can. But it would need to be a different striker for me. I don't think uh, Ayuzi Perez could play that role. And he really could if he was told at 3-5-2 and you two are right up top. I think that would be fine. And he would be more naturally the better player in that position. But I think it would generally lead itself to a new centre-forward alongside Vardy. 
And that question, you could basically label anyone really in world football. Edison Edward scored a very cheeky Penenka penalty for Celtic in the cup final win the other day. He would be right towards the top of my list as a player. And um, yeah, it would be nice to see three up top because at the moment, most clubs are either playing one in the centre with two either side, who are generally attacking midfielders, or they're playing three behind one, which is essentially the way Leicester are going. Spurs play exactly the same way. So, yeah, more power to the 3-5-2. I agree, but I think we would need a new centre-forward in that role, if not Iosi. Yeah, I'd agree. I think at the moment that the, the personnel that we've got lends itself better to something more flexible than 3-5-2. Um, whether you call it a... 3-4-2-1 I think some people have called it where the two support players are more narrow um, whether you call it a 3-4-3 I don't know but to play a 3 a 5 and then a 2 I think is is beyond our possibility at the moment it's quite rigid and it needs to have exactly the right player in, in each and every single role but be a bit of a throwback to the 90s wouldn't it um which i'm sure oscar was not not a leicester fan in the 90s but i'm i'm certainly the kind of bloke that has done his research and had a look at the uh the martin o'neill wing back system of the past which was very much a 3-5-2 so uh interesting one shall we well we've got three left do you want to do those three or do you want to go on back to our top three players outside of leicester We'll go for the top three players outside Leicester because I think we're going to have the same scenario probably if we pick the same players. So we've got um, Curtis Jones is my number three. Your number three is James Ward-Prowse. My number two, uh, I've gone for DCL, Dominic Calvert-Lewin, up at the old Everton. Is he in your top one or two? He is, yeah. He's not. He's <laughs> Again, I had a bit of a dilemma, but I've, I've put him as number one for reasons I'll explain in a minute. He could have been my number one. It was a, a toss-up between the top two. He's he's having one of those seasons where uh, if it's going to go in, it's going to go in. Sometimes off his knees, sometimes off his ass, whatever. And that's because he's in the right place. And he's really kicked on as a player. And we know technically he's a good, slightly more old-fashioned centre-forward. He's really good in the air, brave. But I... You look at his performances, and when you see him, and you saw it the other day against Leicester, and especially in the recent two home games against, um, in their win against Chelsea, and especially in their game against Arsenal, his all-round play is really good. He's a he's an all-round centre forward. He much, uh, very much deserves his his place in the England squad regarding his goal-scoring exploits. But he's a really good player. He's definitely not having a flash in the pan season. He's um. I just think all round, he's a complete centre-forward, really. He can obviously get better, but he holds the ball up. He's strong, he's brave, good in the air, real knack for goal scoring. Got a really good shot on him as well. And, yeah, Dominic Calvert, he's a really good player. And there's, is it a slightly surprise? Well, he, he's been around for a bit, but there you go. People develop in their own ways, and he's been given the chance, and he's really taken it. And... Uh, Overall, he's a he's a very good, very good English Premier League centre forward who I can see scoring over 20 goals this season. I don't think is any surprise, but I don't think it's any surprise if he goes on and scores 20 goals most seasons, even if he stays at Everton and maybe they have a dip. I, I don't see a dip in the side 
reflecting too much on his goal-scoring record. Slightly similar to Vardy, you'd say. Vardy's always kept a really good goal-scoring record, regardless of whether Leicester have played well or not. He's always been banging in the goals. I think Calvert-Lewin's the same. Good player. Very good player. Very good player. Proper centre-forward. Uh, I'd agree with everything you said, and the reason that I chose him as number one rather than number two was just because it's slightly less expected. He's kind of... He did all right when he was sort of in and out of the team. Uh, young player who now is absolutely uh, a choice for the England squad. He's right up there on the top scorers list in the in the Premier League and he's got a bit of everything, which I which I really, really like. Should we do our last ones then for the top three? Yeah, go on then. Who's your, who's your next one then? My number two is... I had a lot of different names swirling around for this one, but I've, got, I've gone again for somebody... Uh, like I did for Vardy for less for number one top player for Leicester this season so far, somebody who has at times single-handedly carried their team, uh, and I've gone for Bruno Fernandez at Manchester United. Ooh, Fernandez, eh? Interesting. Yes, I. I mean, he's he got me out of the uh, the mire on the old fancy football this week. His influence on the side in with goals is ridiculous. Scores loads assists loads he, he is given a free role in that side but he's you, you can't impact a side more by uh, than, than scoring goals and setting up goals you can be the best you can be a fantastic player technically brilliant oh he's a lovely player great to watch oh yeah Ooh. but he doesn't score or assist and it, you know so overall you know we could have a better player to influence the game more Fernandez, he gives the ball away loads absolutely loads because he tries everything. And he does that because he's been given that role in the side. But he backs it up by scoring goals and setting up goals. Really good player. Um, yeah. yeah I, nine I, goals, he's nine goals five assists. And I think not only that, but, but a lot of the players and a lot of the noise from around Manchester United suggest that he demands an awful lot of everybody. He's, he's there to work his socks off uh, and get that team to be the best it can be. And I think a few players have had some heated words with him, with him because he's not afraid to tell a player to pull his finger out and, and up his game, really. And, you know, great teams have that kind of character, especially at a club the size of Manchester United. You look at the, the characters that were in the dressing room during the Sir Alex Ferguson era. You know, it, it kind of reminds me, not, not in terms of his playing style in midfield, but of a Roy Keane. You know, if you were slightly off your game, Roy Keane would let you know about it. And I think Bruno Fernandes is that kind of character. He's, he's, a, he's got a winning character about him. And as you say, he influences the game with goals, assists plenty, And he drag, he's dragging Manchester United at times, kicking and screaming to, to, to positive results. And, and if they go a couple of goals down, he's the man to get on the ball and make something happen. He's not one of those that shies away. So I think for his influence on his team, um, almost single-handedly at times, of course he's got good players around him, you know, Rashford, that kind of player, but... He has seemingly been flying solo for a large proportion of his Manchester United career. Who's your number one? Well, my number one, and again, it was a really close thing between DCL and this player. Um, so it could have been both. But um, I've gone with the player and I've slightly gone off topic here because it's, it, it, internationally he's he's really burst onto the scene and many people will now know. Um, I've gone for Jack Grealish, which I know many people go, oh, no, not Jack. Oh, no, well, now, don't get me wrong, I, I don't like the guy. You know, all the stuff away from football, you know, he's he's a proper, I don't know, I don't like him. It's very, if you don't know what I'm on about, 
take a look at the news over the last few, well, last week or so, and just, you know, what he did over lockdown and all that sort of thing. Well known. But if we're looking at football, his... He's, and we kept on saying about him and Harvey Barnes and him and James Madison and the way that he's kicked on and he's just gone to that next level when we're waiting for those other two and, and I think, and they are getting there and I do believe they'll get there and I really do think that. But Grealish has and Villa's very good season so far is based around Jack Grealish. So first of all, his influence on Aston Villa, huge. Captain, um, again, assist merchant, scores goals. His influence on, on Villa it has been uh, immense. And Villa's good season, what at the moment, uh, looking at the league table, Villa in ninth on 22 points. So they're only five points behind Leicester. So five points away from Leicester, and they've got um, got games in hand as well. So it just shows you they've had a really good period, actually, just up until the recording of his podcast. So Grealish is having a brilliant season for Villa, but also for England, the way he burst onto the England scene. Uh, Southgate obviously has an issue with him. Now, it's not too hard for me. It, for me, it's... Why Why doesn't Southgate like Grealish? Why isn't he picking... The reason he's not picking Grealish is because of all the stuff away from football. That's the reason. Southgate likes it to be very safe and secure, likes the group to be very close-knit, and it's worked for him so far with England, to be honest, his overall record. And he didn't, I don't think he likes him. And it's no great surprise. He's had to play him. And when he has played him now, he's been brilliant. Really good for England. So I think just overall, looking at the season as a whole, I think Jack Grealish has had one of the biggest influences on one team in the Premier League and then also nationally as well. So it could have been a toss-up between Grealish and DCL. Um, but I went with Grealish number one, DCL number two. And then Curtis Jones uh, creeping in in the last week or so really as well into number three. Kind of a live wire. I think when we get towards the end of the season, uh, someone like Fernandez uh, wants that for him. Three Player of the Month awards since January. So that shows you his impact. He could well creep into that play, uh, that uh, list. Maybe even someone like Salah or what happens towards the end of the season. But for me, up until now, yeah, I'll go with the uh, old uh, naughty boy, Jackie boy. Nice that we've got so many uh, young-ish English players on this list as well. My top three, third place for me at the moment, James Ward-Prowse, second Bruno Fernandes, first Dominic Calvert-Lewin. Very, very nice. Right, we are running our listeners' festive cheer slightly close to the bone here with uh, how long we've been opening these doors for and also completely out of, uh, uh, out of context, really. I need to get off a of five-a-side relatively soon. Pete, so you've got three more doors to open. You've got number five, seven, or eight. Five. Steve Walsh. Number five. There are lots of wishes behind this door that were all very similar. Uh, Fox, Jenny, again, thank you for another wish. Dear Santa, I would like all injured players to now be match fit. Ron Adams has said, uh, Dear Santa, for Christmas I'd like our defence back. Uh, Zachary Harden has said, Dear Santa, for Christmas I'd like our old physio back. Uh, and also I have said, Dear Santa, uh, my wish for Christmas this year, my number one wish is just for one game this season, we get to see a full-strength Leicester team. It's something that we've talked about on various episodes of the podcast and all of the permutations as to when all of your players are fit, what system do you play, who goes where, who gets sacrificed. But, you know, we're still a couple of players light of what you would say on paper is our full strength 11, those two 
key players still missing, Chaglaso and Chu, and Ricardo Pereira, who I think in a three, a back three and wing back formation would both start at the peak of their fitness. It's what I said in the at the end of the previous podcast, and the, the thing we've got to look forward to is Soyuncu and Ricardo both being in that Leicester side with Castagna. It really is a, a mouth-watering prospect, even though they are two you know, defenders, essentially. It's not like two centre-forwards. But yeah, it would be great. And how exciting would that be? And how well have they done to get to this position without them? It, it really is. Number seven, um, Neil Lennon. Number seven is my is one of my wishes. Um, and I, I tried, you know, when you said weird and wacky and, and slightly... Um, one ones that even Santa probably won't necessarily be able to fulfil, uh, and although yours yours are more outside the box and thinking more generally, mine are to do with the football really. Um, my, dear Santa, my Christmas wish this year would be for Kalechi Iheanacho to finally realise his full potential. I mean, let's be honest, it is never going to happen, and I'm not slating him. He's done all right. He's done fine, but. The player that we thought we signed a few years ago for £20 million. The player that, when he got in the penalty area and it was passed to him by a Manchester City player, could always find the bottom corner. I would just like him to be able to find that player again for many games in a row. Rob, I've asked for a complete rebuild of the double-decker stand. I've asked for a military coup and I've asked for everyone to be wearing Fox Leisure trainers. I think you've maybe overstepped the mark here with asking too much. I, of I think I've gone too. Yeah, I think I've gone too much. I really do. I like it. I, I don't think it'll ever happen. I think he can still be. If, if he ever to leave Leicester, I, I think he would score goals. I think it might actually be in a three-five-two full in full in a formation. If we go back to a, a previous dear Santa, so yeah, we we all know what Kelechi is about, and. There you go. I think everyone... The best thing about... The thing with Kelechi and Nacho now is... Everyone was on his back because he didn't... He wasn't the player who we thought. I remember his debut. Or his, it was a pre-season game. wasn't quite... At the King Power. And he came on. And I think he got injured, actually, in the game. But he looked brilliant for about half an hour. Um, I think everyone then got on his back. Because he wasn't the player we thought. And there wasn't the player we needed. And... That's now changed. He's now turned into that player where everyone goes, we know what he's like, but we're behind him because we want him to do well. And I like that. I like the attitude of it's now changed from... And I think that should be the case all around, unless a player is ridiculously crap. And yeah, get on their back, get out, you know, go, go. But yeah, with Kaleshi, I like how it's now turned into... Ah, it's, yeah, he's, he's kind of a lovable player for, for all of his faults. We do have one more. Number eight, who was famous number eight? Scott Taylor, was he number eight? Uh, number eight, the final. The final the final window on this year's 12 days of, for Fox sake, festivities is, um, I've grouped two together. They're not exactly the same wish, but they do um, revolve around a new striker. Uh, and Dave Lewisby says, um, Dear Santa, this Christmas, my wish is for Leicester City to sign Robert Lewandowski as cover for Jamie Vardy. And uh, John O'Towers has said, Dear Santa, this Christmas I would like Leicester City to sign Odson Edward or Luka Jovic 
on a free transfer. We we might well have just saved the most far-fetched for last. Poor Santa if he's listening to this. It's maybe started off a bit weird, got a bit normal through the middle, and now has just gone mad. Boom shakalaka, get Lovandowski on the bench. We, who, who knows what we're going to do in tran- January transfer window. Whether they're going to kick on and buy a centre-forward, we don't know, but... All three would be ace, weren't they? I mean, obviously, Lovendowski's not going to sign, and Edison Edward would cost a lot of money. And Luka Jovic, there was a lot of talk about him joining Leicester, but again, who knows? But don't be surprised anymore with Leicester. If they get Champions League football, they could attract all sorts. Imagine that. We'll get Champions League football, and in the summer, with the side that we've got, who they would go for. If they if they keep the squad together, if some of the fringe players, like maybe your Chowdhury's, etc., uh, Dennis Pratt possibly they they turn around and go look we're going to stay and they go right we don't need to fill out this squad we just need to get first team players who knows who they could get great selections there now do you just want to hear finally some of the ones that weren't asked go on very quickly I've got um, a mass bus pickup system around Leicestershire um, so you would have a, a, a fleet of hundreds of new double-decker blue buses with Leicester City on the side, all electric, obviously, and they pick up, they go to every single town or village in Leicestershire, predominantly towns, you know, and you could then get on that bus to go to the ground because access to the ground is awful regarding parking, etc. Everyone has their own scenario and their own way of getting there. But I think if this happened, I used to catch a a, a, a special double-decker bus that went to Leicester, 50p a game back in the day, and you can park them all down by the ground, all the way down the canal as well, and they're given special right-of-way getting out to all corners of Leicestershire. So access in, access out, a, a win-win scenario. Huge bus shelters, temporary bus shelters, so you can, you'll be undercover and everything. You know, some kind of really big thoughts big big style plans regarding travel into Leicester and out of Leicester on match days maybe it only happens on Saturdays for example or at weekends you know it doesn't happen during the week at 7:45 you have to find your own way there why not think out of the box a club like Leicester a one club county it should happen uh, i've also got one very sensible i believe and this should really be in place all kits that are made apart from maybe the home strip for obvious reasons because it's the most popular i think all away kits and third kits should be at least minimum two year cycle so last year we had the most popular kit in leicester's history i believe the pink kit sold out all over the place uh, we know the problems this year with through um obviously all that's been going on and then it's dumped after a year i, I don't like that the blue kit the home kit yeah change that every year if you want through adidas and whatever fine okay that's the world we live in but i think the away kit should the the away kit and the re, the third kit that should really be on a two year cycle so you've got the pink kit and the white kit whatever keep that for two years so if you're going to buy one for your kids etc then at least you know it's going to be live for two years i know it doesn't mean an awful lot to the kids because they as up to a certain age when they do want one every year but that would be nice wouldn't it it'd be a nice nice thing to know that you're buying it and it's going to be valid for a couple of years and the final either one, Rob, that or they don't charge them 50 quid a shirt that's not going to change is it that's and and they, you know whether that's in place or added, who knows but i would love that to happen oh by the way everyone this is our brand new home kit this is our brand new away and third kit it's a bit unique a bit like the, the pink kit by the way the away kit and the pink kit there is the third that's going to be around for two years well 
and you go, oh, fantastic. Do you, hey, do you want the kit this year? We haven't bought one for a while, but now you know it's going to be two years. Brilliant. Fantastic. Why not? But the final one, Rob, and this, this is where we're going to leave because we've been rubbing it on for ages, and hopefully you've enjoyed this wherever and however you're listening to this, maybe out on a run or... You know, you, you, you're doing the turkey or whatever you're doing, listening to this Christmas special nonsense. Um, and that is, for a full stadium to be in Gdansk in Poland, in 30-degree weather in the Europa League final, Leicester, get into the Europa League final, and the ability through vaccinations or however and whatever, that there is a full stadium. And if we don't go to a football game this year, Rob, Leicester don't have 2,000 or whatever in a stadium at any time this season. In Even if it's FA Cup runs, Premier League runs, Premier League title challenge, who knows? If it doesn't happen for any game apart from one, I want it to be for the Europa League final in 30-degree weather. Everyone's gone for a five-day bender. In the middle of it is the game. Who knows what happens in the game? Obviously, it'd be nice to win it, but... How would good would that be? One game, full stadium, and it's the Europa League final. It'd be an incredible way to end um, a difficult year, wouldn't it? Or a difficult season and a bit of football, if you want to put it into a footballing context. It would be a real, a sort of, a, a welcome back, really, wouldn't it? It would be. It would be. That's that's what I think. FA Cup final would be an obvious choice, I know, but. The Europa League, because I think we've got a, a cracking chance. Difficult draw, Slavia Prague, good side, but why not? Why not win? It's Christmas after all. Hey, it's Christmas after all. And that's it. That is the Christmas special. Many thanks for listening. Have a very happy Christmas wherever you are, whoever you're celebrating with. Uh, we'll be back, of course, with the regular podcasts. And if you've listened to this maybe in a couple of weeks' time after Christmas, then, uh, well... Happy New Year and what's happening in 2021? Can you tell us?